Greetings, Tarnished, and welcome to a very special episode of the Elden Archives, a From Software lorecast from the Robots Radio Rocket Club. I am AK Spartan. I'm Gatsu. And we have DLC. We got a trailer. We got a release date. We got a whole bunch of stuff, actually, this week. We were going to have an episode about Renala, the Queen of the Full Moon, for this week. We're still going to do that. We're uh, we're going to have that ready for next week, but we couldn't miss the opportunity to talk about all of the good stuff in the DLC trailer, which I will say from a lore standpoint, I don't think we have a lot yet. But from an Elden Ring standpoint, just from from a fan standpoint, we got a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you. It didn't really seem like, you know, there was too much to give away there in that trailer uh, lore wise. They're keeping it close to the chest, for sure. I will say, with that, one thing we got a lot of lore, or one big lore thing that we got confirmation on is the fact that the DLC is going to heavily involve Mikola, which we were a little worried about. I remember talking on this show about, uh, is this going to be another Londor? Like, or we're a little nervous because they've done this before. And it's not. It's not going to be another Londor. It looks like the entrance to the DLC is probably going to be, or it seems like it's going to be the the egg or the or the cocoon that Mikula uh, is in, yeah, in Mogun Palace, and it seems like Mikula is going to be a heavy focus of the DLC. Yeah, no, I mean, I go as far as to you know, kind of wager that Mikula is going to be our guide in this. Like you said, we kind of had already talked about how we were unsure whether or not he was going to be like someone we face or kind of an ally to us. And it seems like he's going to be it's kind of similar to like a Melina. Cause I also want to say that it seems like this is also set up to be kind of like a mirror verse of the lands between, in my opinion. There's definitely some similar geography and architecture and things of that nature. I, I don't know if it's the same places. I, I know there's kind of been talk already that it's like a shadow. I don't, I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think we're going to the same exact locations. I think we're going to see different regions of where or like wherever we go is going to be fresh. I also think that just the the scope of the entire thing seems pretty impressive. I mean, I was looking at um, because there there was the trailer that came out, but then there was also a couple uh I saw I saw some some stuff on Twitter uh, recapping some interviews that Miyazaki did. The things that stood out were the uh over 10 new bosses, eight new weapon classes, so over 10 new bosses, eight new weapon classes. That alone feels pretty substantial. And there's going to be new le- both new legacy dungeons, which I'm sure people expected that. Like I I don't think anybody thought that we were going to be done with legacy dungeons. That's a pretty core tenet of the game. But new legacy dungeons plural and the over 10 boss fights, I think really just speaks to the scope of what we're about to experience on June 21st, which by the way, June 21st everybody. That was very exciting to see that announcement. I'll be honest, I definitely wasn't expecting uh, a trailer anytime soon, let alone a release date. And I don't know. It's just it's a really great feeling to just kind of like know finally that this is happening. The other thing that really stood out to me is the weirdness of it. Like like because so I think Elden Ring has great enemy design and I really like From Software's weird monster design. I'm a big fan of Dark Souls 2, which I think has a lot of weird little critters and creatures. Elden Ring has similar, and actually I would say probably more so uh, because of the open world and just the variety involved, 
creative and just sort of disturbing and, and unique monster design. But this trailer really stood out to me in the sense of like, it honestly, it reminded me of Bloodborne. I'm glad you brought up Bloodborne because when I was watching the trailer revealed the enemy up on top of that horse with the, the giant skeletal guy, he reminded me of the undead giant from Bloodborne. The similar design, just like the pale, like decrepit look, but then also with the giant like weapon that he just like swings at you with. I'm assuming that's a boss because he throws the tomahawk and all, or the not tomahawk, but the boomerang throws the boomerang type thing in the at the player in the cinematic from the trailer. That's another thing. Are you you mentioned the weapon from that assumedly boss? I've kind of mentioned this already. We have eight new weapon types. And it seems like there's some some interesting changes and additions coming from a combat perspective in general, because outside of the eight new weapon types, I also noticed there was a jumping triple kick used in that cinematic trailer. There was also a, a giant cauldron being thrown as if it was like a pot consumable. And there was a uh, and actually at the very end in the part of the trailer that involved the confrontation with Mesmer, which I'm, I'm sure eventually we'll, (laughs) I'm sure eventually we will have an episode on Mesmer because he seems like he's going to be a pretty important character here. But the, uh, the player character in that part of the cinematic actually uses the crucible night move with the wings where you fly up in the air. So it looks like we're going to get another crucible night move. So uh, a lot of things being added to the combat that I think should Enhance the variety of things that we can do in a game that I already, uh, that I think already had some of the best build variety in gaming. I definitely agree with you. There was a lot of things that kind of caught my attention when it came to like some of the new weapons. It seems like we're going to be featured in the game. Uh, that uh, there's a new repeating crossbow that seems pretty fun to use. There's also, I think there's a new sword. So there's a lot of different things that kind of caught my attention for sure. And I'm very excited to see what all they've added because they also they didn't specify how many weapons, you know, we're going to get. We just got new weapon types. You're mentioning, you know, the new swords and things that were, you know, you could see in the cinematic. But I mean, I was more of mentioning the, the eight new weapon. Like there's eight new weapon categories like sword itself is that category. Like there's a bunch of swords. You know, a, a new sword is cool, but that's to me, that's really just a new Ash of War because we already know what the movesets for the swords are. So if we have a new straight sword or a new, you know, a new curved sword or anything, that's that's very cool. But in that sense, it's really just a new Ash of War because we already are familiar with those movesets. But they're talking about eight new weapon categories. So that would mean eight new movesets entirely. I definitely think uh, one of those very well possibly could be like kind of a revamp to unarmed combat like with that flying kick ash of war that we saw for a brief glimpse you know that kind of gave me a an idea that maybe there's going to be some sort of new way of doing just unarmed fighting yeah i think that would be very fun honestly and i could see that too they had similar, what was it, Bone Fist, I believe it was, in uh, Dark Souls 2. They've, they've done something like that before. 
And I think with the way that they've kind of honed their craft as they've made each successive game, going back to introducing the ability to have a playstyle like that with what FromSoft is capable of now sounds very fun. I agree with you. I mean, I definitely want to create a new character and just kind of make a new build based around that that kicking Ash of War alone because I mean that just looked fun to use. I thought that looked fun. I thought whatever I, I'm 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 gonna assume it's an NPC, but whatever character was shown with the golden uh, looked like a great sword that they resembled a Valkyrie against the red sky at the beginning of the when they were kind of going through the different characters when that, it was right before they showed the character that strongly resembled Havel. There's that Valkyrie looking almost character with the golden longsword against the red set sky. I hope you can get that sword. That would be very cool. The other thing is, it seems like there's a lot more because we talked about there's going to be more weapons. There's going to be more ashes of war and things like that, which th- I mean, that should be expected. It's a DLC. Now, I'm glad we talked about a little bit of what we see in the trailer, because there are some hints as to what those ashes of war and those weapons are or, or some outright, you know, tells like the one with the crucible night wings. But also just from watching the trailer and the cinematic from a location standpoint, I'm going to assume that we're going to get a lot more death blight whether it be weapons, incantations, uh, what have you, and a lot more sleep incantations and weapons, what have you, because it looks like actually at part of the in part of the show are that we're going to have a deathblight swamp. And because also with the connections with Mikola and then the the um, the all of the stuff with Mikola and the alter ego of St. Trina and the connection with St. Trina in sleep and how underutilized sleep and deathblight feel in the base game. I feel like sleep, deathblight, and I'll say madness always felt like they were being saved for the DLC. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's how I felt. I was just thinking, I'm pretty sure th- those three collectively are also the least common conditions that you get in weapons that are available in the lines between. Yeah, I just always felt like, especially sleep, I I always felt like sleep had a lot to do with Mikola, obviously, because that's the association they make with St. Trina. But then also in the and we talked about this in the, you know, what we know about Mikola episode that we did already. But there was a cut content quest line that heavily involved Mikola helping the merchants stave off the frenzied flame. And also Mikola was heavily invested in restoring Godwin or attempting to restore Godwin, uh, staving off the death blight. So in a weird way, like obviously sleep directly connects to Mikola, but the other two pretty, pretty much also do as well because they both are things that Mikola is actively working against in the world. Similarly to Scarlet Rot, like how Mikola is trying to find a way to cure the Scarlet Rot. Like anything that seems like it would be an ailment of some kind, whether Frenzied Flame, Scarlet Rot, or Deathblight, any of those things that are kind of creating their own forms of corrupted life or removing life from the world and changing, you know, the nature of things in those ways are things that Mikola seems to stand against. That's what his actions demonstrate, or not his actions, but his faction and, and what we know about what he's done and what he, you know, has tried to do from things like the item descriptions that talk about why he left the Golden Order, because they wouldn't there was no help for Melania and the Scarlet Rot or 
what we know about him trying to trying to help Goblin. He seems to stand against all of these things. So it would make sense that in a DLC that seems to be centered around Mikola, that each of those things would become more of a feature throughout the world. No, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it makes perfect sense for them to kind of be... Because also, like you said, these are things that Mikola has been trying to stave off for a while, but he hasn't completely found a way to stop them from manifesting. So it makes sense that it would be something that would be kind of facing ourselves um, in this DLC, because this DLC is... It definitely does feel like it's going to be pretty Mikola-centric. It's nice to know that Mikola is going to be a core focus. It's not, I'm not sure in what capacity that's going to be yet, but it's nice to know that Mikola is going to be a core focus. But from the trailer, the other character that we didn't know about that seems to be a very major focus of this DLC, just from the artwork, the collector's edition, you know, package, for the game at this point, all that stuff is this Mesmer character who we knew nothing about. And I, I'm not saying we know a ton about. We don't really even know anything about the character even after the trailer. We, we, we know a few things based on appearance. We know a few things based on just the fact that, I mean, we're now aware that the character exists in the first place, which is more that we could say before that the trailer was launched. I mean, this seems like this is going to be a very important boss fight. This seems like this is a very important character lore-wise. The dialogue from what it seems to be Mesmer in the trailer mentions things like grace and the lack of grace and referring to somebody as mother. I mean, in that context, it seems like maybe that would be Merica. Um, The identity of this character is completely unknown. I mean, there's some speculation already that this is a fragment of Mikola, similar to how Merica and Radigan split, but are one, but are that were split. Maybe this is one half of Mikola and the other half is St. Trina. There's some speculation that this is a completely new character. All we know is that he seems like he means business and that's going to be one hell of a boss fight. I have a lot of personal ideas, actually, about Mesmer and who he could be. Just gleaned up basically off of some things that he has said and some details in his appearance that I picked up on. Because it was definitely very interesting, the moment in the trailer when he was talking about Searching out those who lost the grace of gold, which he's talking about the guidance of grace there, which means he's specifically seeking out people who are no longer blessed by the earth tree and, and whatnot. But that made me think of the history of the lands between for a second, because when America cast Godfrey out, she cast the tarnish out with him and they all lost the the guidance of grace. So I wonder where Messimer kind of factors in when you take that occasion into play. I think it's interesting because we're not really supposed to have anything to go on. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I find it such a From Software move to introduce a completely new character. Where I mean, they know people are going to speculate. They know people are going to run with this. I've seen so many theories already. I've seen, like I said, I've seen theories that this is a fragment of Mikola. I've seen theories that this is 
a a new sibling, you know, a forgotten like nameless king style. Like this is like a banished son of America. I've seen theories that this is some reincarnation or weird like manifestation of Riker in some way because of the snake stuff. I don't really know what I think yet. I I feel like it's a little soon to make any calls, but I definitely the one thing I find very interesting is this. I I feel like there seems to be a strong dragon communion vibe with Mesmer because of his eyes and the color of his eyes in the cinematic and just his kind of his whole get up and the flames that he uses. Obviously, I could be wrong, but I just get a dragon communion vibe from this character. And I will say there's not like a dragon communion ending. And the whole dragon communion side of like chasing power in the lands between is something that I feel like is a little underexplored in the base game. I mean, you don't really get much of that at all past the Altus Plateau. And I think that there's a lot of room, like we were talking a little bit already about how sleep and madness and that stuff felt a little underutilized. I think the dragon communion stuff felt kind of pushed to the side a little bit in the base game and it would make sense that such a major dlc character has to do with that type of thing and that type of ideology and source of power when you consider that it wasn't really a core focus of the base game no i definitely agree with you but i think it 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 definitely does get kind of shoved to the side i agree with you there and i i also agree with you in saying that um he more than likely is tied to the Dragon Communion Church in my capacity because I also noticed his eyes. They also they have that yellow hue to them with the slit that you also get if you learn a certain amount of Dragon Communion spells. You become part dragon yourself. And then also he had a lot of imagery like on his helmet. There was the uh, the dragon head with the wings. And then also there was more imagery on his um, his chest armor. So I definitely got the sense that he has something to do with the, the Church of the Dragon communion. Yeah, which I think to wrap all this up, because like I said, I really I really don't know how much we have to go based on yet. Like, there, like there's a lot about I love the stuff about the bosses, the magnitude of the bosses, the magnitude of the new weapon types, the fact that there's going to be legacy dungeons, dungeons, plural legacy dungeons. And the fact that we have a hard release date. And also, just to step back a little bit too, this is the first type of breaking news of any kind related to Elden Ring that we've had since we've started this podcast. I really think that it was important for us to take the time to talk about this this week and, and kind of shelf the Ranala thing for a week and just focus on the the news and, you know, what we thought and the things we know already and the things that we are assuming that we're going to find out. Because, again, that's all going to be there, there's going to be a ton of lore that comes with this. There's going to be a ton of things that end up probably where we thought they were one way end up being the other or things that we thought were, you know, we've are established in the lore that end up being different. And it's important that we talk about things like that on a show like this. Because of the because of the way that that can change the way that we see the lore, yeah, this definitely has kind of piqued my curiosity into what exactly we're going to learn 
It's definitely going to provide, um, at least I hope it will provide at least a few answers to a couple of the questions that I had to the lore, specifically regarding Mikla, um, because in the base game, there's not really much we had to go off of as far as where he was now and what had happened to him. So I'm definitely looking forward to having those specific questions answered. I'm just happy to see that it's not another Londor. I know we've mentioned that a lot. I don't mean to sound like it's not obviously that that was Dark Souls 3 was a long time ago. It's, I, I, it's not like it's actually still a bother, but I just think when it's the same developer, I, I mean, trends and patterns matter. And when they've done something like that before, it's not out of the realm of possibility to consider that that would be the case again, especially when it's somebody that is so big on misdirection like From Software. So knowing that all of the Mikola stuff isn't like that, isn't another Londor, that we're actually going to get answers this time, it's going to be something that we can continue to talk about, that we can go back and see, all right, we were right about this, we were wrong about this. I think that's one of the more interesting things because I don't know if I'm right about any of the things that I have in mind that we haven't really gotten into yet because like I said, I think it's a little early. I don't know anybody who's right or wrong about it, but I think that's when From Software is at their best when you kind of get to just play in that sandbox of what might have happened and what's really going on with the lore. I don't think the lore of this series is at its best when it's dealing in absolutes when it's playing in that sort of almost sure, but not really quite sure, just sort of let the let the player kind of make their own final decisions. I think that's really when they tell their best stories. And so I, I think that knowing that this DLC seems to be another version of that it is exciting. I agree with you. I mean, it seems like they just kind of tested more new ideas when it came to just like how weird they can get with it. I can definitely tell they took a lot of care and they put a lot of attention into like the detail of the design of a lot of these things. I found myself often um, like pausing it and just kind of taking a moment to admire like all the scenery and all the different like aspects of the new like enemies because it just had me like kind of painting a picture in my mind of like what these areas are going to be like and what kind of struggles we might face uh, when we enter them for the first time. Yeah. And I think the one of the cooler things, too, is just being able to explore Elden Ring again. Like, I think that Elden Ring is a weird game in the sense that it's you really can't. It's one of those. And From Software does this a lot. This is true of most From Software games, actually where the first playthrough is sacred. Like, you you have an experience on your first time through a FromSoft game that you can't duplicate. Like, I, I've beaten Elden Ring multiple times, and my first playthrough still is special, and I think that's true of most FromSoft games. This DLC is going to have that all over again. And I think that is, again, a part of what makes it so exciting. Along with that, though, I'm really excited to see what new characters we get, and I'm in, I'm curious to see what our Mikola episode looks like after we play the DLC in hindsight, and I'm curious to see what we talk about, because I'm sure we're going to do a Mikola episode again at some point, because now we're going to have all this new information. And so I'm curious to see the contrast there. Getting back to the regular schedule of things, because again, this was, this was honestly, like we both said, this was pretty breaking news, and I'm, I'm excited that we got to talk about this. 
Next week, we are going to have the episode that we were going to have originally this week, the episode about Renala, the queen of the full moon. And then actually, after that, we have another change because we're going to slide in an episode about Ray Lucari Academy. And I actually think that might be a two-part episode because we are turning out to find a lot about Ray Lucaria and Queen Renala and that whole kind of region and the politics and that sort of thing. So I am not guaranteeing that I will be a two-part episode, but there is a chance that uh, that is what we have coming up. No, I'm definitely excited for the upcoming episodes for sure. Because, I mean, again, like you said, we're going to definitely have to revisit Mikla again at some point after the DLC comes out. But then also, we've both been doing our own individual research for the next upcoming episodes. And so, like you said, we've kind of gotten to know the the story and like the politics of uh, Raya Lucaria and Renala and the, uh, the Karian Manor and everything. So when the time comes to do those episodes, it will definitely be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, that is our time for this week. This was another episode of The Elden Archives. Of course, you can always reach out to the show at theeldenarchives at gmail.com. That is our email contact uh, that can be used for really anything. Feedback, positive or negative about the show, ideas for future episodes, things you, you know, things that you would want us to talk about, theories about, obviously theories about the DLC, theories about anything we've already talked about, theories about what we're talking about on that given week. I've said before that we will incorporate that in the episode. We, you can also reach out to the show on Twitter. Uh, we are on X at, uh, the handle is at Eldon Archives. I am also on Twitter at Eldon Spartan. Uh, Gatsu, I know you're on Twitter. What's your handle? I am on Twitter at Gatsu995. And then, of course, we are also part of the Robots Radio Network, like I have mentioned when I had mentioned the Robots Radio Rocket Club. That means we are on the Robots Radio Discord, and we have the show has a channel there, which you can chat with us in. You can also reach out to us individually on the Discord, or just enjoy any of the other channels that might be there as part of the Robots Radio community. And, of course, you can catch us next week for our episode on Queen Renala of the Full Moon. Outside of that, we will see you all at the foot of the Earth Tree. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 